Second period of play. Welcome back. Halford and Brough Show. Brooke Ward, Dan O'Connor doing the damage today on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Who did we fool to get this gig? More on that coming up. Andy Cole's here, though. Halford and Brough will be back here next week. <laughs> A-Dog is here. Uh, so is Nick Shook. Nick Shook is the pride of NFL.com joining us here. Uh, presentation of the Clayton Town Hall. Usually it's Monday morning quarterback. It's now the Wendy, uh, the Wednesday morning quarterback. This football season, make it to the Clayton Public House, 188th Street and 56th Avenue in Surrey, and the ClaytonPub.com. Mr. Shook, sir, thank you for doing this. Good morning to you. Nick, how are you doing, sir? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? Good, good, my friend. The snow stopped. The green grass is back. Most of the areas over here, that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. It was ugly here. Where are you today, Nick? Uh, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, where it was not nearly as ugly as it was there, but it was quite <laughs> freezing. You got about a half a foot of snow, and but it is also melting, so we're turning toward the better. Well, you know, you guys deal with snow a whole lot better than we deal with snow uh, as well, because a half a foot, that's pretty well what we had, basically. Actually, we might have had two feet of snow. But it was here and gone in 48 hours. Uh, meanwhile, I talked to so I was at a hockey game last night, Nick, and I'm talking to people about uh, hockey. And all of a sudden, someone, a friend of mine, was in Vegas last week. Guess where I'm going with this? He's in Vegas. He's there for the Patriot Raider game. And I know a lot of people have talked about it over the last few days. My first chance to ask you, though, what comes to mind when you think of that December 18th Patriot loss to the Raiders? My friends were still talking about it last night. <laughs> I mean, it was a wacky ending, right? You know, the idea to, to, to lateral the football back when you don't need to when the game is tied. You know, the first question that came to mind was, did they, did they know it was tied? Did they think they were losing? Because there's only one explanation for doing that, and that's if you think you're losing and you're in a desperate situation. But, I mean, you know, from the coaching staff perspective, they called a draw. You know, they, they, they drew up a draw because they knew they were trying to get to overtime. It's almost as if the players just didn't know. And then hearing the aftermath and, you know, kind of feeling bad for Jacoby Myers, who was just reacting to his teammate suddenly lateraling in the ball and the way it devolved from there, you know, it's, it was a bummer for them, but it's also kind of, you know, indicative of who they are as a team. You know, we, we've given the Patriots a lot of credit over the years for being a very buttoned up organization, the Patriot way. And they have not been that, at least on the field in the last couple of years, really since the departure of Tom Brady, just been undisciplined, made a lot of mistakes. And that was a crushing one for them in, uh, you know, in week 16. So, you know, the, the fallout from that, um, you, know, I feel, you know, we're still talking about it, like you said. Hmm. I hear you. And, I mean, New England might have lost the game anyway. They get it in overtime. They might still have lost the game. But the way they lost it, uh, does that look good? For, a lot of people are not New England fans. They're not Belichick fans, Nick. Does this look good on Belichick right now? He certainly doesn't have Tom Brady playing quarterback for him. Yeah, I think it's more. You know, you, well, I think people like to jump to those conclusions, right? They like they like to jump to the conclusion that um, you know it was all Brady. It, it was it wasn't Belichick. It was all Brady. But I think any you know good team and good coach has a good quarterback with him for the most part, unless you talk about Kyle Shanahan and what he's doing in San Francisco right now. So uh, you know it, it doesn't reflect the best on on Belichick, but they also you know they haven't been quite in a position to get a generational talent to replace Tom Brady. And let's True. not forget what yeah. he did do with Tom Brady, who was, you know, sixth round pick, 199 overall. So uh, I still, I'll still go with the fact that he's one of the best ever. 
Nick, the Denver Broncos, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, relieved of his duties, didn't even make it through the season. Much has been made of Russell Wilson and the the struggles of the Denver Broncos franchise really from the jump this season. How quick of a fix can this be in Denver, and what are the first couple of steps involved in fixing the Denver Broncos? I think there are a lot of layers to this, Uh, you know, the first is was what Russell Wilson has done this year. Was it, was that a, you know, an aberration or is that a sign of things to come? Because, you know, the fit was never that great with Hackett on, on paper. You know, if you looked at where Hackett had been, you thought, Oh, this is great. You know, he just went and coordinated an offense there and Rogers at quarterback and look at all the points they put up. But I think the system was not the right fit for Russell Wilson. He's a guy, uh, you know, as you guys know, being in that area that, you know, he's, he's, he's the type of quarterback that extends plays and works his magic that way. And he's got a big arm, but a lot of it, you know, does come because he's been able to get out of the pocket and, you know, wait for guys to come open or hit an accurate pass downfield or whatever it is. Uh, Hackett's time, system was a lot about timing and about, you know, getting the ball out on time and seeing, reading the defense and everything else. It just didn't fit. Something like him and Russell were never on the same page. So I wasn't surprised to see him. I was surprised to see him fired before the end of the season because I thought, well, you're getting to the final two weeks, you might as well just ride it out to the end. Um, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd been fired in the final month at all because he was, you know, he pretty much seemed to appear, he appeared as if he was in over his head and uh, and it wasn't going to get any better. It's just that, you know, how much did Russell Wilson factor into this? Because they're tied to him. So, you know, they're pretty much going to proceed forward with him. Uh, and that's your biggest question for any new head coaches. You know how how is this quarterback situation going to play out? You know I'm sure that's going to be the number one topic of discussion in every interview that they do with a candidate. Now the rest of the team, you know, it seems like it's pretty much built to win. I wouldn't necessarily say go win a Super Bowl, but it's been good enough. The Giro Avaro, the defensive coordinator, has done a fantastic job with that defense, and I cannot blame him for not taking the interim job because you don't want that kind of stench uh, on your resume. You know, coaching the final two games of the team that's headed nowhere when you've actually done a very good job on your side of the football. So I think, you know, defensively they're fine. Um, offensively, you know, injuries hurt them with Javante Williams getting, you know, losing him early in the year um, and, and losing a guy like Tim Patrick, who was kind of the glue of the receiving core in the last few years as well. But they have talent on that side of the football. It's just, you know, is Russell Wilson, was this a fluke or is this who he is and he's just going to continue to decline? Well, a bit of a parallel, Nick, for with the Jacksonville Jaguars a year ago. Urban Meyer doesn't make it through the year. Fast forward to this season, and all of a sudden, I think we're seeing the coming out party for Trevor Lawrence. Um, speak to Trevor Lawrence for me a little bit, reading a few things out there about you know him already being maybe one of the, the top five untouchable quarterbacks in the NFL. And Jacksonville, of course, going right down to the wire here with Tennessee to win a division, to go from just utter disaster to potentially winning a division in a year's span, I think speaks to the upside of Trevor Lawrence that we all knew was there with that first overall selection. Yeah, I couldn't see any package offered in which it would be able to pry Trevor Lawrence away from the hands of the Jaguars. I mean, they struggled through, you know, multiple seasons of mediocrity, if not worse, to end up with the first overall pick. And to be able to take Trevor Lawrence, a generational quarterback that, you know, like you said, in his first year didn't quite, you know, look the part. But I think that's where the par- you know the parallels end, I think, um, between the, the whole story with Denver and, and the story with, with Jacksonville and the fact that, you know, Lawrence is a young quarterback whose entire career is in front of him and just needed a coach who was going to be able to nurture him and help him grow. And, you know, Urban Meyer was obviously not the guy that was a, a higher made, I think, on brand name more than anything in, in Jacksonville. I think they learned their lesson. Instead of trying to go make a splash, they went and took the guy who 
has experience as an NFL quarterback, has experience as a head coach, and that's Doug Peterson who's done a fantastic job with them. The Broncos are going to have to try to figure out another similar pairing with a veteran quarterback, which might be harder to do. But in terms of Lawrence, I think the sky is the limit for him. He's been playing phenomenal football. He's only thrown like one interception since October. And and they have turned around accordingly. They followed suit. And it's, it's a team that spent a ton of money in the offseason. And it's getting contributions from pretty much everybody they added. And it started with their quarterback, though. And uh, and, and it's it's kind of fun to see them, a team like them, and like the Lions really kind of – figure it out in the second half of the season and rally around their coach. And, and, you know, you can see them on the field essentially realizing that they can win games and they believe that they can win games. That matters so much to me, I think, more than people realize in the NFL where, you know, you're a franchise that has struggled for a while. Once you turn that corner and realize, hey, we can compete, hey, we can win these games, then suddenly they start coming in bunches. And, and I think the future is bright for both, you know, the Jaguars and the Lions. Nick, wanted to ask you about Seattle here, who are tail-spinning, certainly out of control. They have the Jets at home. They have the Rams at home still to play before they're done here. They're 7-8 and eight right now. If they finished up 8-9, and nine, is that a successful season for them? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely is. Uh, I think they're a little bit out of gas. You're right. You know, when you said tail-spinning, I, I think they're just running out of steam. I think they kind of hit their peak a little earlier in the season, and they've already overachieved. I mean, let's face it, we went into the season expecting them to win four or five games at the most. That would, that would be a positive season. So 8-9 and nine is positive. The only downside is that, oh, we were so close to the playoffs. Uh, it's too bad we didn't get to the playoffs. But if you look at the circumstances and everything that went on, you know, you changed your quarterback, you went to a veteran who never really quite played as well as he is right now. You know, you're leaning on a bunch of young kids on the defensive side of the football. Uh, it's all positive. It's just that, you know, if, if you don't make the playoffs, it is a little bittersweet. But there's a lot of good things to look forward to. You know, you get a stud running back. You got stud defenders, you know, guys like Tariq Woolen and so on and so forth. Uh, Kobe Bryant's been playing well. You get a stud tackle in Charles Cross. He had a great year. Uh, it's just that, you know, the ceiling's not quite as high as it used to be, but it could be in the future. This is the type of transition year that a lot of teams struggle through, you know, three or four wins before they turn the corner the next year. The fact that you're this far, uh, you know, you just hope that, you know, Gino can can be your guy for another few years because I don't know how much you know realistically he has much he has left in his in his career uh, at, at least a, a high level. But you know, he's been a nice story. I thought he had a chance to win Comeback Player of the Year. Still could potentially do that. Um, it's just that you know you're not going to get to the end, and that's fine. My friend, I did want to ask you too. I mean, you, the Seahawks will get better too. They're going to get Denver's pick or or check me. Uh, uh... Why am I blanking right now? They're going to get Russell Wilson's pick anyway. <laughs> Out of Denver, yeah. thank you. Had it right the first time. They're getting Denver's pick. They're going to get a second round or two that's going to be maybe top five. That You have a chance to fill a lot of holes, too, in a big hurry due to the Wilson trade. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to, that's going to be a phenomenal pick. You know, it's they're not the only team that's looking kind of not foolish because the Rams went won a Super Bowl after getting Matthew Stafford. But they're one of a couple teams that – are looking very wise uh, for making those deals because the team that they sent those their, that quarterback to in exchange for those picks has struggled this year. And so they're in a great position. I mean, you have to be very excited about their future. It's just if – and I don't know, maybe they do find a way to the playoffs. There are still two weeks left, and, and that would be, I think, a huge victory for a team that not a lot of people expected anything out of. Um, it's just – so, you know, you got to be excited about the future and, and just accept that, hey, this was – already an overachieving year and and i can't wait for 2023 and so on 
with the playoffs sort of on the cusp here, Nick, can you just sort of speak to, is there one team in either conference that, that might be sort of a fringy playoff team? Or heck, we can open it up to everybody, but who is the one team right now that you truly think is just peaking at the right time that you would least like to face in the opening round of the playoffs? Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say the Lions before they went down to Carolina and got beat last week. Um, you know, it, it's tough because these standings are very separated, I think. You know, in the NFC, you got the Eagles, you got Dallas. Minnesota's there, but they, they're not quite the most in, impressive team. I think even though they're 12-3 and and they've, they're 11-0 and in one-score games, which, you know, says a lot. Uh, I think if I had to choose a team in either conference that's really kind of lurking and could make a difference, I think there's two of them. One of them is in San Francisco, where the Niners, well, Santa Clara, but where the Niners play, you know. And uh, because, you know, look, look at what they're doing with Brock Purdy, quarterback. they got a phenomenal defense, and, and they can run the football well. they got a great coach who's, you know, dealt with this before and gotten his team to the Super Bowl in the past. With a quarterback who's not the most talented on, on the planet, and, and you also, I think the other team that I, I'm looking at and wondering, hmm, oh, there's actually two in the AFC, really. But Cincinnati, nobody's paying attention to them, even though they're 11-4 and four and, and they're, you know, on track to win their division for a second straight year. They're playing fantastic football. And they haven't lost them since the, they lost to the Browns on Halloween, which is a long time ago. We're past Christmas now. Uh, but because, you know, I don't know if everyone still thinks that they were a fluke last year, that. They're just not getting the attention they deserve, I think. And the other one's the Chargers. And the reason I picked the Chargers is because uh, they're they're starting to put it together at just the right time. Uh, you know, they've they've dealt with a lot of injuries. They they might get you know guys like Rashawn Slater back. Uh, Joey Bosa is expected to return to practice. You know, he's returning to practice this week. And then uh, you you've been able to finally get both of your playmaking receivers, in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, back into the mix. Now they don't run the football nearly enough to make you feel comfortable about their chances in the playoffs. But just the fact that they're kind of putting it together at the right time of the year, even after losing J.C. Jackson to a season-ending injury, um, uh, it's just encouraging. And, and you got Justin Herbert. You got a young stud at quarterback who's going to be making his first playoff appearance. So if I if I had to go three teams, the one I feel safest about is probably Cincinnati, then San Francisco, and then at the bottom of that trio is the Chargers. But I think all three could make some surprises in the playoffs. No, no worries there. And you know what? I'll, I'll quickly throw in a New York Giants question for you because they're my team uh you know sort of similarly along the lines of the Seahawks when you sort of forecasting the start of the season wins and losses you've got a New York Giants team that's sort of keeping their playoff hopes af- uh, afloat largely thanks to the stumbles of the Lions the Seahawks the Commanders etc just a quick thought about the Giants and sort of what you've sort of noticed positively about their season and sort of how that that division with the Cowboys with the Eagles with the Commanders and the Giants has gone from you know, maybe an afterthought in recent years to one of the best divisions pound for pound in all of football. Yeah. You know, I think they have a little bit of similarities to the Seahawks, Seahawks and the fact that I think they ran out of steam. Um, not that they're necessarily as out of it as some other teams, uh, you know, as a team like Seattle is, which is also not out of it, but it just felt like, you know, they really peaked early and, and, and you've kind of seen the team that you expected to see, uh, really since week eight on, you know, they only got three wins in that span, and they also tied Washington. But they were able to get that crucial win over Washington, you know, in the rematch, which I think is what's keeping them afloat. And that loss to the Vikings last week, just a heartbreaker. And, again, you know, they played tough. And it's just, 
you know, they, they, they played so well offensively. And, and when I say so well, I mean, they just avoided the pitfalls that have crushed them for the last few years. And it came to turning the ball over and everything early in the season. Brian Dable was, you know, getting a ton of credit for the job that he'd done. But what I really thought was most important in that span of time was the fact that the defense was playing excellent football and, and really overachieving when you look at, uh, you know, this roster in terms of total talent potential. And this is a team that had to just say goodbye to James Bradbury because it didn't have the cast face because Dave Gettleman left them in such a bad spot, at least for 2022, with his decisions he'd made before he rode off into retirement. So uh, I didn't expect a lot from them. And I think they've maximized the, the talent on this team. And, and been, it's, it's, a, it's a victory that they've even been, in, been able to get to this position in the last two weeks of the season, which is, hey, we're still alive. You know, it's not that they'll necessarily follow through, but, hey, we're still alive. We still got a shot. And we got a, a lot of things to look forward to uh, in the future. You know, Daniel Jones, I think, has had – you know, he hasn't had – a year that you necessarily think, oh, man. He hasn't, I don't think he's had the Trevor Lawrence year, right? But he still had a much better year than he's had in the past. And you give this team, you know, and, and Joe Shane, the GM, a, a, an offseason to work and really improve this roster. And I think that the, the future is very bright. And, uh, you know, if they sneak into the playoffs, and you know, they're 8-6-1 right now. If they, they, if they will sneak in and make some noise, then I think it just puts them more on everybody's radar. But it, it's been – it's been a good year for New York football, even if it ends in disappointment, I think, for both the Giants and the Jets. Nick Shook with us, NFL.com writer, just a kid from Akron, who tweeted and summed up the uh, – I saw this tweet the other day, Nick, the Patriots lost to the Raiders. What on earth? And that's what my buddies were thinking in the crowd, too. They said to me last night, well, what just happened? Game over? All right, back to the casino. Or back to the bar, Nick, where they went to probably both. But uh, thank you, pal. Appreciate it so much for joining us here on the Wednesday morning quarterback. Hope I get a chance to talk to you again, Nick. Nice nice job, my friend. Yeah, thank you. And I can't blame your buddies for all going back to the casino. Because <laughs> after a loss like that, how else do you decompress? <laughs> I know. <laughs> free, free drinks. Play a hand of blackjack. It used to be anyway. Free drinks. What a good thing. I think the Patriots would have been doing the same thing. Nick Shook, the pride of NFL.com joining us here. NFL Insider today. Brooke Ward and Dan O'Connor doing the damage for you. Halford and Bruff are away this week. The uh, text line, 650-650 presentation of Dunbar Lumber. Feel free to jump in then. I have an unsigned text in here. It says, who's typing? Uh, <laughs> Andy, were you typing? No. No, weren't you? I wasn't typing. Dan? His, 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 his initials rhyme with, with Dan O'Connor. They uh, so- do, too. What are you banging away back? I thought you're cutting oh. down a tree. Anyway, you know what the the the, the joys of radio and and you know what let, let, let's call this just a few growing pains, guys. My apologies. Take take a drink every time Dan does something oh, he shouldn't do uh, today, and it, it, it's still the holidays, right? People be wasted at seven nineteen in the morning right now. So, and some probably mm-hmm. are, but yeah, no, it's uh, you that you're a mean typer, man. Like I, I'm kind oh, of gosh. a you know I'm kind of dainty when I type, right? There's I have a touch to it. You're like, uh, that's nasty typing there. You're pounding away hard, man. Uh, and you know what? It, it wouldn't have even come to my attention were it not for the text line and uh, <laughs> and, and great friends like, like you guys. So my, my sincere apologies. Yeah. And uh, you know what? We'll be better. If there's one thing you'll learn from this text line is they can often be quiet, but they love to point out mistakes. Or when something goes wrong or if something is said incorrectly, you'll get 45 texts in the span of like five seconds correcting you. People love to correct you. I'm going to tell you that there's not a lot of hate mail coming in. No, so people far. love you so far, Brooke. I'm well, very I, impressed. I don't know. I haven't mentioned yeah, Dan at know, all. The, yeah. And Dan the, as well. No, it, no, yeah, you know what? Brooke is, uh, you're a hit, my 
friend, and I knew you would be. Yeah. But uh, if we sure. go to the Dunbar Lumber text line, and, and we hear, you know, uh, great to hear you back, Brooke Ward. Not sure where you've been, but hopefully way more work for you in the sports talk world in the future. Uh, Don in Penticton. So nice. Well, deserve thanks, Deserved kudos for oh you, my friend. It's it's nice to see. Clearly, he's been drinking every time you've made an error. <laughs> and the rubbing eggnog is going hard right now. First sure. eighty minutes of the show, things are coming in. Uh, yes, I don't know, you know, who lost the bet, but uh, I'm back, and Dan is with me too. So that's one big. Speaking of Vegas and betting. And poor Andy has to put up with both of us. Here. Oh no, no, it's it's been a pleasure so far, boys. Yeah. Compared to what I'm used to have to deal with, uh, it's this has been nice. I'm liking this place yeah. so far. I'm trying to get used to it. I mean, last place I was at 10:40, and it's a little smaller in here. The studio is a little smaller, and it's uh, cozy. It's very cozy, though. It's it is very cozy. I feel like a cat in a in, in a smaller condo when I used to live in a house and it was just too big for me, so that's good. The coffee's you have a coffee machine here that actually I will say the coffee maker here yes. blows the old studios out of the out of the water. It is so yeah. much better. And like he the, was the, the ten forty coffee maker was from like the seventeen hundreds. It was like yeah. that thing caught on fire every four seconds. This coffee maker is like it's fantastic. You actually had to make your own coffee. I know. Man. I think how you terrible. were one of two people that knew how to use that machine. How terrible is that? Oh, we're living in the Stone Ages, Dan. We had to make our own coffee there. Of yeah, all things, no. here you push a button. Unacceptable. Woo, you can have a mocha. You can have this. Exactly. You can have that. 20 types of tea. That's what you're missing out on, Dan, today. No wonder you're angry there. You're angry typer. <laughs> I haven't had strong enough coffee yet. But uh, no, you know what? Lesson learned. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure by the time we get through 9 a.m. on Friday, there will be plenty more humble pie uh, uh, being being consumed on this end. But uh, so far, so good. Really appreciated that, uh, that football conversation with Nick Shook. Um, you know, just the the theater of the NFL never fails to disappoint, and with so many teams sort of still involved in the playoffs, it is quite something. Uh, and again, if you are just joining us, the Vancouver Canucks, an impressive victory yesterday over the San Jose Sharks, three in a row now for the Canucks as they get set for the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow on the road. And you'll hear that across the Sportsnet, the vast and mighty Sportsnet radio network, the originating station, the Giant 650 here in Vancouver, I want to say downtown Vancouver, but it's Fairview Slopes, I guess, is what you may call it. In Midtown. Midtown Vancouver, Andy? What would you call Because we were in downtown before. I don't know. This is still kind of downtown, Close isn't it? I mean, what's, what's downtown? If you go over the bridge, I guess you're not, no longer yeah, downtown. Yeah. I don't know. This still yeah. feels kind of downtown. We're False Creek-ish. Yeah. You know, three blocks to the west is Fairview Slope. Downtown-ish. We're in downtown-ish, in the beautiful downtown-ish studios of Vancouver. And, uh, yeah, it's very nice. What I like is the parking here because downtown was murder and here you can find some street parking this, this early true. in the morning. This is true. You can find you, And we've been about the coffee machine. I haven't really found my, I know how to get into this studio and out of the building. That's about it. I don't know what else is around us. We share the building with other radio stations. So far, there's, you know, there's been no bloodshed. So that's always a good well, thing. Good. Yeah. yeah. I got through the Christmas holidays too with my family. No bloodshed. That's kind of different. I think you there was some bloodshed at the Cole household. I know the O'Connor household. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, you might have to... Yeah. No, no, go ahead, Dan. I, I was going to say, you know what? You, you might have to go to Vegas now, Brooke, uh, and, and join your buddies late because with, with everything just seems to be coming up, Brooke, right now, no bloodshed. Things, things are going well in your world. The text line is just on fire with praise and compliments. So go buy that lottery ticket, my friend. Minor Matt Navitz for it on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Says, I bet Donnie 
Donald Taylor brought the coffee maker for the 1040 studio back in the day, like brought it in. He might have brought that from the original sports pager. So it worked. It was fine. It's just better here. Theoretically. Theoretically. It be- it was fine. It was free. It's better here. It too. made something close to coffee. Free is good, by the way. I've noticed that in this industry. I don't notice the listeners out there, whatever your job, your industry is, what it may be. Free is always good. And one thing we like in the sports media business is free. Uh, this hour of the program brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. Halford and Bruff, H&B, they are unavailable for selection for the rest of the week. They're back next week. I'm Brooke. Dan is riding shotgun. Andy Cole, A-Dog, riding shotgun too. Rough, rough. Stay with us. More to come. We're some World Juniors. Delve back into the Canucks. What do you do? It's the same old story, but it is the main story, especially when he keeps putting up four-point nights. What do you do with Bo? How do you let Bo go? How do you keep him? This is Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the big show. 7.32 on a Wednesday morning in beautiful uptown Vancouver. Just this side of the bridge from downtown Vancouver. It is Sportsnet 650. It's Brooke Ward. It's Dan O'Connor. We are doing the damage from the Kin Tech Studios here. Text us anytime as well. The Dunbar Lumber text inbox. The small alter- the smart alternative. I'll be fine. First time in a while, folks. The smart. That's what. It's I funny. Won't... It's funny you said that just now Why? because uh, Halford back in the day pronounced it the smalt alternative, <laughs> and so he he purposely says smalt alternative every single really? time now. And the fact that you just did it wow. it proves that it is a hard thing to say. So well, honestly, sure. if you say smalt alternative, people will know what you're talking about. The smart alternative, though, is to get the name right. I know. I hear you. Visit Dunbar Lumber. That's the name I have trouble with. I don't know why. Dunbar Lumber on our beauties in Vancouver on Bridge Street in Lander online at. DunbarLumber.com. I want to say Dunbar Lumbar. It's a whole other thing. Anyway, we're going to talk some World Juniors this hour. We're going to talk about your Canucks, what do you do with Horvat. There's plenty of things to talk about. The uh, inbox at 650-650 is available for your selection as well. Dan and I are here tomorrow morning, the next morning too, so warn a friend that we're here from 6 till 9, filling in as if that was humanly possible. For Halford and Bruff, who are back next week. What day are they back next week? They are back on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, it's the best of Halford and Bruff holiday edition on Monday again. Really? In case you missed it. Three hours of the best of? How did you manage to fill that? I know, it took cold? me It took me about a year. I know. You go back. They've yeah. only, how long have they been here? A year and a half? You can do three hours. Yes, about a year and a half. You can yeah. do three hours yeah. of that. It's been a year. It's been a year and a half since we got the pink slip. Yes. And uh, Yeah, that was a fun phone call to wake up to. I never even got a phone call. I still haven't been fired by 1040. I just, once I heard... <laughs> they're still paying me somehow. <laughs> yes. No, well, they're not, but uh, I was able to get into their email for a while, too. People forget about me. I'm a freelancer, so people forget all about me. I'm just floating in the background, which has been the story of why I'm still here, because I float in the background. Nobody really notices, and I'm willing to show up. That, that's a key part of it, I think. It is, but I just tuned I saw JPAT tweet something out. Well, it's been fun, and I thought, well, did we let JPAT go? And then I tuned in the station, I'm here, and humor or whatever was running on comedy at that point. And then I heard the news of how Halford and Bruff were going to hour four of their program and suddenly Ian McCletchie's computers locked up and nothing worked anymore and they all thought that's a bad sign. And then they someone came in and said, by the way, you got thirty minutes to leave. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Basically that was it. It's uh it wasn't a very ceremonial uh 
exit. It no. Was, yes. But I haven't been fired there yet. Well, that's good. So maybe it's illegal that I'm over here. Where it's a contractual problem for me being here for the next week. Uh, <laughs> it was tough to sign Dan O'Connor, Dano. I'm glad we were able to ink you to the uh, the new three-day contract as well. Full trade protection for you too, Dan. So you know that. You got the full no trade. Uh, loud keyboard strokes aside, I'm, I'm relieved to know that. It's... Uh, no, it's 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 been a been a fun morning, guys. It's it's definitely been something. I've I've been a, a, a obviously a big sports talk radio fan in Vancouver for for as long as I can remember. So to to get a chance to share the airwaves with both of you this morning is uh, is a late holiday gift. It's a for dream. Sure. Let's call it that. It's a dream for a lot of people. Uh, potentially a nightmare depending on how things go the rest of the way but uh no it's um it's good and and you know what i mean i mean i i certainly remember that that day all too well you know flipping around the radio dial and 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 reading twitter and and reading all sorts of uh reaction to to that news so great great that we're here this morning and great that we're sort of steering our friends and, and steering our listeners towards the end of 2022 and into 2023 where a boundless uh, intrigue when it comes to the canucks when it comes to sports uh, no doubt awaits us it's a really good i know there's lots going on anyway and they're always that's the beauty of the canucks that's why there's a all sports radio station here as we are at sportsnet as well It's because of that hockey team over there, too, good or bad. Uh, Speaking of good or bad, Dan and I will be here again Thursday and Friday morning. As long as the alarm clock goes off, we'll be here on Halford and Ruff Show, and they're back next Tuesday as well after uh, celebrating the new year in 2023 is almost above us. You are almost upon us. You survived, by the way. All the snow and all the rain. I hope that's it. I miss the drought. I hope that's it for... For the snow, anyway. I know yeah, I'm good on snow now for the year, I think. I know, but there's probably more coming. You know, no, you get don't f- say that. I know. <laughs> I know. By the way, have you guys driven the highway recently? Dano, I know you heading out to the Giants games all the time. It's just like, I'm driving out of the highway. I notice it all the time, but I'm at the Giants game last time. Coming home, it's a monsoon. Okay, the, the, the highway ministry, they cannot control the weather, but would it kill them to put some of those reflectors, in particular on the highway number one, from basically the tunnel or from the Cassier tunnel forever to put those reflective clips in the ground. I honestly, I, I must give credit to Vancouver drivers and lower mainland drivers more than I do. It is a nightmare and dangerous out there. You're driving at night. You can't see the lines on the road. Maybe it's just me, Dan, but uh, anyway, that, that's probably a story for another team. I wanted to vent after I was driving home last night, just thinking, man, would it kill you to put that in? I can't believe there's not more accidents out there. And you drove that road a lot. So, uh, uh, I, I uh, th- thank you, thank you for coming to your TED talk. Thank you, thank you very much. That's it. That's all we got. Tip your waiters. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go to the World Juniors first, then we'll dump it to Horvat because I know you want to talk the World Juniors. Canada playing today, and Canada with that losing Switzerland two and zero. Maybe the story of the tournament right now, Dan. But what are your thoughts about how Canada shook down and how it looked for them that opening loss to Czechia five two. Well, so they played Germany today at 3.30, and that, um, you know, certainly would lend itself to, to Canada being able to bounce back and to, to find their first win. But, so, you know, certainly the big takeaway and a lot of the, the discussion from Monday and then even a lot yesterday was just sort of the the reaction to the, to the loss to Czechia the 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 two Michigan attempts in the first period and I've sort of waffled a bit back and forth myself trying to figure out okay like how do I feel about 
you know, the two Michigan attempts, is that is that a faux pas? Is that a good thing? Is it good that Canadian players are trying to use skill in such a way? Or are we still being a bit dinosaury about this whole thing where we, we don't want to win that way? I mean, I think... It's a, it's a much different story, guys. I mean, if, if one of those two Michigan attempts works and Canada wins the game cleanly, I don't think we're talking about this, but, you know, s- certainly there's enough of a of a sample, enough of a takeaway here with this game where, where I think we're, we're looking for the reasons why. And, of course, you look to goaltending. You look to the, you know, the, the penalties, especially in the third period of that game. And, of course, it's early in the tournament and, and things still need to gel together a little bit. But... Um, where do you guys come out on that, Adog? I mean, uh, Michigan's uh, attempted Michigan's is is that something that uh, that that should just be completely put to bed? Are we going to see a Canadian player try that again, or is that something where you know what you've tried it twice? Uh, don't go back there. Let's let's find a different way to win. I think it's super exciting as a fan to watch, but I don't know if I would try it when the team is down or if you're if you haven't scored. Like if you're if you're comfortably winning a game, go for it. Be as creative as you want, but. I don't know. It's a risky play to make. If you're not going to score on that play, I don't know if I'd be the one making it. Like, you got to bury it if you're going to try that kind of move, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't want to. By the way, I mean, seeing it once is, is an, I'm, I'm so over the Michigan right now, but okay, whatever. But you try it once, you try it twice in a tight game at this point before it's decided and whatnot. And kind of cocky, too, to a degree. But Canada got beat. I mean, those plays, whatever. Uh, if they circle to the front of the net, maybe they don't score anyway. But Canada had poor goaltending to start, and Canada also had uh, that five-minute major was a killer. They were in the box a little too much, too, but that five-minute major, that was two goals against. That's basically the difference, Dan, in the hockey game. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, I think that for for Canada now, I mean, I, I would suspect anyway, and I haven't seen anything official about that, but I'd be shocked if, if Thomas Millich was not going to be the, uh, the the starting goaltender for today's game against Germany and we've seen it time and time again in this tournament that when one goaltender falters if the other guy can come in and and sort of pick up the pieces so to speak it, it, it could be Milich's net from here on out depending on how things go of course you do have the back-to-back scenario to think about Canada does play Austria tomorrow but um yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that this loss to Czechia and sort of the the narrative surrounding the game could be a a galvanizing tool, hopefully for for Team Canada. I mean, I, I think that it, it's we've become so spoiled, I guess, with with Canada's World Junior team that anytime they lose a game, ever, it, it's just sort of a jolt to the system and what a high and mighty place to be i suppose but for for them to lose and and i think the way they lost too where it was fairly convincing and and Czechia were just full marks they got the saves they got the special teams and, and canada's skill on display did not really yield the results that i know they were hoping for uh it's going to be interesting to see what kind of performance they show today because this is a a hockey nation in germany that is no longer a pushover you look and see what they've sort of done internationally and sort of the nhl roster that they've you know been been churning out in recent years leon drysettle of course being sort of the face of of german hockey but um not a must win for canada by any stretch of the imagination today guys but certainly looking for a, a strong outing and maybe a bit of a statement for canada that says okay you know what lesson learned maybe we maybe we took check 
Czechia a little too lately and come out and, and, and have a tidy performance against Germany and be one and one in the tournament would be uh, would be the ideal scenario, methinks. Canada, Canada needs a goalie. That's, that's my main take. Like, they really need goaltending. <laughs> they just don't have anything in the pipeline right now that I can see, and oh. it's kind of scary. Well, you know, I was in a group chat with some hockey, you know, some fantasy hockey friends last night, and one of them posed the question where if, if you were going to start an NHL franchise around any Canadian goaltender, who, okay, like, who would you choose? And, and trust me, we, we exhausted a lot of options here, and, and I'm not convinced that there is a de facto slam dunk answer to that question. Because every player you you pick, there, there's a strong counter argument, maybe otherwise. But the names that would initially come to mind for me, guys, Tristan Jari, Carter Hart, uh, would be the the probably the two main ones. Jordan Binnington is Canadian. Darcy Kemper probably gets a lot of consideration in that regard. But gone are the days of. You know, Curtis Joseph, Martin Brodeur, Ed Belfour, Roberto Luongo, Carey Price. It's uh, it is an area of concern, and certainly it seems like the rest of the world has caught up and surpassed Canada in a real hurry when it comes to the development of goaltending. Canada got Germany today. Be a good idea to win. I know what you're saying, Dan, but be a good idea to beat them. Be a good idea to beat Austria on Thursday. Then you got Sweden on Saturday, too. That could be a good game. We'll keep an eye on Jonathan Lekaramaki of the uh, Canucks, 15th overall pick. He's got a goal and a helper. They both came in Sweden's 11 nothing win over Austria on Monday, the Dunbar Lumber, <laughs> just so much problem with that. The Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, 650-650. Who's rep- James wants to know who's representing the Giants at the Worlds. They have two players there, Zach Ostopchuk on Team Canada. They have Samuel Hunzik on Slovakia. Hunzik, 17, now an 18-year-old with the Vancouver Giants with Slovakia at the World Juniors. Keep an eye on this guy. He's going to be a first-rounder for sure. Maybe a top 10, top 15 pick. He's going to be a first-rounder for sure. And Romeo, Dan, wants you to please explain the Michigan. So go <laughs> ahead, explain that. Yeah, Romeo, thanks for texting in. I mean, the the Michigan play, um, for, for lack of a better term, if a player has the puck behind the the opposing net what they're able to do is they they almost you know twist and contort their wrists in order to get the puck onto the blade of their stick and almost in sort of a lacrosse move fashion lift the puck into the air uh, on the stick blade and almost scoop it underneath the crossbar from behind the net and in uh, do yourself a favor and go to YouTube and and if you search uh, for for Michigan goals, they they are commonplace now in hockey. Certainly commonplace or more commonplace in the NHL. Trevor Zegras, of course, has made uh, a name for himself doing Michigan goals. They they were everywhere in junior hockey last year. I know for sure there were a few players in the Western Hockey League that would go to the Michigan. Um, I've never, um, you know what? In fact, once last season, the the Giants actually, uh, Bailey Peach of the Victoria Royals scored a Michigan goal against the Vancouver Giants. Not uh, Not our finest hour. Uh, in that regard, but certainly it is uh, becoming more and more of a regular play in in hockey circles, uh, and some have 
more of a contentious bone to pick with that move than others do for sure. I was going to say, I mean, you could, uh, they, I mean, it's entertainment. There's nothing wrong with the Michigan. I just kind of like roll my eyes now and then at it for whatever reason. I'm just bitter. I'm a bitter old man, Dan. But you could make those illegal if leagues wanted to. Otherwise, it's up to the goalies, as they're doing now, to not only get the shoulders up, but some getting their face right over to the corner when they see the Michigan coming. But if there were those out there, Dan, who wanted to just say, can't you just make that illegal? It's not a high stick, but you could figure something out. You could do that if you wanted to, yet it's entertaining. The leagues want the Michigan, I would assume. Uh, leagues want goals, uh, however however they happen. I, I mean, I think that more offense, more skill, the better uh, for the most part. But, I mean, the game is also trended to a point where, I, put it this way, Brooke, in, in the year 1999, if, if Pavel Bure tried to do a Michigan play or, or if anybody tried to do a Michigan goal against Scott Stevens and the New Jersey Devils or against Darian Hatcher and the Dallas Stars – uh, not, not only are you going to pay for it, but you're probably picking up a few teeth from the ice when, when you're done it. it it's just, it's, it's a different game. It's a different skill set. And I think that um, more and more with each passing year, we're just seeing skill take over. And that's where this game is trending. And uh, I think that, uh, I think that that's a good thing. I mean, I think there's fewer injuries. I think there's more goals. That at the end of the day is I think what certainly I I'm happy about when I watch hockey these days, but certainly the, the purest part of me still wants to see, you know what, if, if put it this way, and, and I, I don't want to necessarily speak counterintuitively against Canada, but if someone tries the Michigan and is unsuccessful, um, they, they should pay the price for, for, for trying to, to pull one over on their goaltender and Maybe we're just not seeing enough of that, and that's why that move is so popular. You are correct that years ago, and the game's changed, but if anyone pulled the hot dog move, oh, they'd have their head taken off. Uh, but uh, I'd be very curious to see if Canada, Candy Canadian players tried again in the tournament because I understand they've had meetings now too, in which that was part of the topic of, hey, are, are you guys trying to hot dog a little bit out there? Do you take the other guys pretty lightly when you went and played them? You tried two Michigans in the... They're trying to make sure these guys play as a team and maybe keep the hot dogs in the vending machines or at the concession stands anyway, I should say, Dan. But yeah, I don't know if you want to get a hot dog out of a vending machine. I would get one out. It probably I mean, it would be, you'd be at the hospital pretty quickly. <laughs> probably happened years ago. I mean, we were tough in those days back then. We got soup out of a vending machine back in the day. Chicken soup. Well, soup, I, could, I don't know if I'd take a hot yeah, dog out of a vending know. machine. Come on, man. It's just sitting right there. It's refrigerated. If you could find a way to cook it on the way out. Here's your hot dog, and there's the free microwave. There you go. You're set. You're Bachelor 101. You're Brendan Bachelor 101 with that thing. Uh, by the way, in the text message inbox at 650-650, Ramsey trying to help me out. He works on the highways. The reflectors, he says, are called cat eyes. They were knocked off the road from all the plowing they had to do. So Ramsey says they were there already, because I don't remember the roads being as bad the lanes being as tough to detect as they were last night in particular for me, first time on the highway since the snow. Ramsey says they won't be replaced until the spring. I can't recall them being there before, but I can't recall the road being that tough to manage. It was ugly last night. I mean, I'd stay off if it's raining, stay off the road, basically, out in that area. That will be my goal. But thank you, Ramsey, for filling me in on the, on the cat eyes. Bo Horvat. We will be talking about him in a couple of minutes when we get Chris Faber on, I'm sure. But as we lead into the Horvat, two goals, two assists again last night. How can you afford to lose him, Dan? 
yet how can you afford to keep them? Because you need to trade somebody, too, if you want to beef up that defense. You need cap room. And you can't just keep bringing the same guys back. I don't want to lose them. But you can't keep bringing the same guys back all the time without changing the defense and expect change when it comes for the Canucks' long-term success. Well, and I think you're you're also in a situation with Bo Horvat where he now is is easily the most tradable contract that the Vancouver Canucks have. I, I mean, I know that there would be an argument to be made as well for for Luke Shen, and and once once the signing bonus for Tyler Myers is paid off, his contract becomes extremely movable next year if if that's the road you you hope to go. But um, J, J T Miller's contract, good luck moving it. Oliver Ekman Larson, good luck moving that. I mean, Brock Besser's contract, are you able to move that right now without having to at least split the pie somewhere? It's going to be very difficult to do. But with every goal that Bo Horvat scores, you his value on the trade market, and especially his market in the summer when it comes to unrestricted free agency, I mean, the talks earlier in the year about maybe it starts with a five. I mean, those those were pretty short conversations. Does it start with a six? Does it start with a seven? I think Bo Horvat has very clearly evolved himself into the 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 eight million dollars a season category. I certainly think, and and heck, that there's probably a team out there, and we've we've certainly heard some suggestions that uh, you know maybe the New York Islanders are interested, maybe the St. Louis Blues are interested what does this sort of mean for him in the big picture uh but i'm with you with with every goal he scores and especially when they come in canuck victories and when it forces the canucks to hang around in the playoff picture a little bit longer it's a very very difficult thing to do especially with what he brings to the community what he brings to the organization uh and i think every time bo horvat does well individually he's making more and more fans out of people in this city and around the nhl I'm waiting for this administration, been here over a year now, to make a big trade like they have to. They maybe could have traded Miller. They didn't. Whatever offers they got from Dan, they they did not choose to take the other team up on those offers. So, okay, the Miller deal didn't happen. They decided, let's re-sign him then. So then they're making the decision, basically, especially when they signed Brock Besser, too, last year. Same administration, this one. Okay, we're running out of cash space here. We're going to have to move somebody. I don't think they signed Besser with the thought process of, then we'll let him negotiate with any other team he wants for peanuts just to move the contract. That'd be pretty stupid. That's the situation they have themselves in. So when they sign Miller, they're pretty well saying, okay, well, then we can't keep Besser, too. If they trade him, this is a signature moment for this administration. If they can trade him to see what they can get back from. Bo's making it a little easier for him. That said, what they better get return on him if they're moving him. They need to improve their defense, and you can't. We were saying this a year ago, though, too. You can't keep everybody, yet at the moment they've kept everybody. Well, Horvath could hit 50 goals this year. I mean, I think he's on pace for like 63 right now. He'll probably be at the All-Star game. I mean... He's going to be in demand at the trade deadline. There's going to be so. there is going to be some team, uh, a cup contending team like even the Bruins. Maybe that'll be like okay, a guy like Horvat. We need a second line C. He's one of the best scorers in the league this year. Even if he's just a rental for us for one or half a season into the playoffs, we'll pay up the nose for him just because of how great he's playing this year. So I, I think the Canucks have to take advantage of it, and I imagine they probably will. I need them to get two defensemen out of the deal. One who's the top four. 
The Canucks right now, they got top four guys, but they're not all top fours. And I need a draft pick out of here, too. And that's the thing with a contending team. What kind of draft pick can they filter back at me? So all these things are issues the Canucks have to deal with moving forward, and they get paid to deal with them. But the deal that they make, whatever they're going to do with Horvat, if it is a trade, it'll be the first big trade they've made under the new administration. And they need a win. They need to hit a home run. I'm not settling for a ground rule doubler. Double uh, coming up next. That could have been so good until I screwed up the word double. Chris Faber, Canuck Army coming up in a minute. How do you keep Horvat? Do you keep Horvat? Do you, can you let this guy go? Can you afford to keep him? Is there any scenario where you see Horvat staying in Vancouver? He'd have to at the expense of Besser and others. That's coming up in a minute. If you want to get into question two, I'll flick something in the direction of Mr. Faber on our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox 650-650. Sign your text. Fire it at me. I'll do my best to ask Chris about that when it comes up. Stay with us. I'm Brooke Ward. That's Dan O'Connor. That is A-Dog Andy Cole. This is Sportsnet 650.